Our scripture this morning comes from uh, the songbook of the church, Psalm 145. Uh, if you want to follow along in your own Bible or on the screens, we'll be looking at verses 8 through 18. Let's share in God's good word together. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Twenty-five years ago today, our city changed. 168 people lost their lives to an unthinkable act of terror in the heart of our city. The bombing of the Murrah Building, April 19, 1995, took the lives of people we loved and still love today. Many of us knew people who had perished or had lost loved ones. I was in seminary at the time and drove up from Dallas to be a chaplain with families who were searching for loved ones and waiting to find out if they were dead or alive. Chantel and I worked in the basement of the Christian church on 36th Street, praying for and doing our best to comfort those in unspeakable grief. Those days were grim, terrible, confusing, filled with crushing grief. Innocent little lives taken at the YMCA daycare. Today we pause and remember a time where our lives were changed. Our city changed. Our nation changed. We could not go back. We choose and chose then and choose today to move forward. Life as we knew it had been disrupted. 
My name is Mark Foster, and I'm the senior pastor of the people known as Acts 2 United Methodist Church. And today we come before God and one another to find out what to do when we don't know what to do, and we trust that God will make a way. And while we may not know what to do, God does. God knows everything you need, every moment, every hair on your head. He just doesn't know how many. He knows each one numbered. He knows you inside and out. He knows your need. You can call on him. And friends, this is true, not just for some, but for everyone. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And God will make a way for you. If you can go online and look at the sermon notes or pull those down, uh, that may be helpful to you, and we will look at how God makes a way. Over these next eight weeks, we will look at eight principles of the way God works and the way we can work with God. And so the first thing, friends, today, the where it all starts is by saying yes to God. Will you say that with me? Say yes to God. It all starts there. We want to walk with him and talk with him, and go where he goes, and do what he does, because it's good. This is the very first Sunday after Easter, and we remember together as Easter people that the cross proves that the worst thing is never the last thing. So if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a difficult season, as most of us are, we remember that this is not the end. This is simply a pivotal moment where we grow through and we trust God to bring good out of the backside of this. But we need to be connected to God in order to do this. So I want to remind you and myself and all of us together about the character of God. And so let's look at Psalm 145 together. And this is a praise song or psalm. It reminds us who God is and why we can count on him. In Psalm 145, 8, it says this. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Not sometimes, but always gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The next thing we learn about God and God's character is that the Lord is good to all. We say this all the time. God is good how often? All the time. And all the time, God is good. And this good God has compassion over everything. Over God's good creation. Over the animals that walk the earth. One of the surprising things about this time of COVID-19 and worshiping online is how many of you all have your dogs worshiping with you. Many of you are already asking, can I bring my dog uh, when we come back in person? Well, how well behaved is your dog? We will have to find out. But the Lord is good to all and compassion over everything. The trees that sway back and forth as they dance before him in the Oklahoma wind. The the Indian paintbrush that's coming up alongside uh, the highways these days. You see, the Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. That's what the scripture tells us about God. God sends the rain on the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly, the just and the unjust. Because God's character is good. God's character is love. And God's kingdom never ends. We are just in a blink of an eye time, friends. God's kingdom never ends. 
It's with us now, and it lasts forever. It was there in the person of Jesus most perfectly, and it lives and moves in and through and around us as Easter people as we await Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit as we move and live and have our being in the very breath of God. The scripture says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion, your rule, your power endures throughout all generations. And so these promises are not just for one people at one time back in the history of the people of God and the people of faith. No, God's power, authority, and rule covers all generations. Our generation today, our children, and our children's children, and those that come after, and those that have gone before, God's power, authority, and rule cover us all, for all time, all peoples, all places. This is the God that we need, and this is the God that we serve. Yes, the Lord is faithful, not sometimes, not hit and miss, not when he's pleased with you and, and not when he's not pleased with you. No, the Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds to all people at all times and all places for you and for me. The problem is we forget this. We forget that the Lord is faithful and gracious in everything, in everything. God is at work for you and for me and for his children all around the world. And he invites us into that work. God helps those who are falling. When Jesus came and walked the earth, he said, it's not the well that need a physician, but the sick. It's those who have fallen, those who are hurting, those who are bent over in grief or pain or sickness. God helps those who are hurting. And if you're hurting today, this is great news for you. Call out to him, because God is here for you. The Lord upholds all who are falling, the scripture says. And God raises up all who are bowed down. All. And again, there's no resume. There's no litmus test. There's no A, B, and C. It's not do you fit the criteria. It's everyone who will call on him. You see, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Everyone who is hurting today, the Lord is here for you. So cry out to him. Ask for help. Ask God to come in right where you are and to be with you and to do the things that only God can do that you cannot do for yourself. And you can trust in this because the Lord is just and kind in his doings. This is the God that we serve. The Lord is just in all his ways, the scripture says, and kind in all of his doings. Now, I want you to remember and think about this character of God, this God that loves you. This God that loves you is perfect in every way loves you perfectly because this is his character and this isn't a god that is far away this isn't a god that's untouchable or unreachable this is a god who would come to earth and be on a cross so close you could touch him yes the prophecy of the lord is that the lord is near he's not far the lord is near to all who call upon him in truth be honest with god about where you are what your need is you can share things with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the loving Father that you might not ever share with anyone else because he's good and just and kind. That's what the scripture tells us. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So that's the character of God. And if this is the character of God, then why isn't the world such a better place? Why do we have these tragedies like 
what happened 25 years ago or what we're going through now. Why do these things happen? It's because we're separated from this great love. Because of our own character. Now, throughout the Bible, we read about a certain people. We read about the Jewish people and God's chosen love for them as the chosen people. But we read it wrongly if we think it's just a story about those people back then. It is a mirror that we hold up today to see ourselves today. The people that we read about in the Bible, it represents humanity. It is us. And so when we read what people are like, it's not people back then, it's people now, it's you and me. And so I want you to see what humanity has been like for thousands of years and continues on today. So this is the character of people. We know who God is, but let's also look at who we are. God loved his people so much that he was giving them freedom through the sea, away from the Egyptians. It is the great Exodus event. And so we go to Exodus 14, and we pick up the story almost to the very end. And as Pharaoh drew near, they were out, they were about to cross the sea. The Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. Read this with me. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Now, you realize that this is after 10 plagues. This is after Moses. This is after miracle after miracle after miracle. This is after uh, the Egyptians had given them all their money and gold and things and said, get out of here after the last plague. And they are leaving Egypt with all of uh, Egypt's riches and glory and goodness, and they're leaving, and they're afraid. God has done so many things for them, and they are afraid. I wonder if you find yourself in a similar situation this morning. After all that God has done for you, you look back at God's faithfulness over your entire life, and we're afraid. We are full of fear. And not only that, we complain. Listen to what they said. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt? I mean, that's kind of funny. I mean, they're kind of funny and they're complaining. Really, you brought us out here? There are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Now, that's what happens, isn't it? We become afraid, we complain, and right behind it is blame. How's your blame game going these days? Is your kitchen dirty? I bet it's because you have more people in your house. It's not your fault. Do you have laundry to do? I bet you do, because we all wear clothes. Do you, are you having trouble finding what you need at the grocery store? Of course you are, because it's Walmart's fault, or it's those kids that came home from college fault, or it's whoever's fault. It's not your fault, right? Our blame game is strong, and that is true for all of humanity. Whatever going on in your life, it's probably not your fault, at least not until you get real about it or think about it. Listen to how they blame Moses. They say this, is this not the very thing we told you? We told you, Moses, we told you, we told you in Egypt, let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. You think that's what they said? No, memory is a tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Oh, we told you, we told you. We told you that COVID-19 was a bad deal and everybody need to get inside. We told you that COVID-19 wasn't that big deal and we need to get back to work. We told you it's real easy to tell people what to do after the fact, isn't it? We need to pray for our leaders. They need our prayers. They need God's guidance. They need God's wisdom. 
Because here's the thing. Every person that follows a leader struggles with pride. We told you. Isn't that what we do in our homes? Something's bugging you. You're at the end of your rope. And friends, if you are at the end of your rope this morning, let me help you out with this. Tie a knot at the end of it and hold on. Because this is just temporary. We have to get our pride and set it aside and, and say, how can we serve our families? How can we help our neighbors? How can we be at peace? How do we call on God in this time? What do you do when you don't know what to do? If you're like most people, you go back to the things we talked about. We complain. We're afraid. We blame others. And we let our pride get in the way. And if that's you this week, don't beat yourself up. You're in good company. For thousands of years, that's what people have done. Because that's just who we are. We're not gods. We're mortals. And we know it. And when our death and humanity comes right before us this close, it gets weird. So call out to God. Ask God to do what you cannot do for yourself. And I want to help you out here. Because here are two things that happen in my life all the time. And if you're a human, they probably happen to you too. Because in times of severe stress, you know what happens? Most people do one of two things. Most of us do the same thing again, often with more effort. It didn't work. I better try that again. I better do it harder. I better do it with more intention. I better do it this way. There have been a lot of memes online these days, kind of shaming people that they need to be doing more during this time. Don't pay any attention to that nonsense. You can only do what you can do, and you need to ask God to do what God can do. Don't let anybody shame you about surviving COVID-19. That's just dumb. So hang in there. But here's the other thing. Have you noticed that when, I don't know, pick your thing, that when you get a little stressed or the kids are on your last nerve, uh, you have a glass of wine? Maybe this week you've had three because you just do what used to work. So you just do a little more. But friends, that's not helping you. And it's not helping your kids. So doing the same thing again, often with more effort, it's not good. It's what we do, but it's not good. I have this little game on my phone, and uh, I am always shocked at the end of the day that um, it tells you how much time you've spent doing what you do. And normally I spend X amount of time uh, playing my little game just to kind of check out. Um, of late, that number has gone up. I wonder it is what you do just to kind of get by or get along. And I wonder if maybe, like me, you're pretty tempted to just do the same thing. Just maybe a little more. I just want to let you know that's probably not going to help you that much. So, but that's what we all do. And then on the other end of that, what most people do is nothing. We stop trying altogether. We give up or we freeze. When we face these unprecedented times and we don't know what to do, we do nothing. We pull the covers up over our head and we snuggle down in the bed by ourselves and lots of pillows and we just want it to go away and we wake up and we're still there. We try to ignore it. And so if you're like most people, this is what you do. You just do what you always do or you do nothing. 
There's a better way, friends. God wants to help you. Let God help you. God loves all his children. He loves you and his character is good. We just looked at all these characteristics of God. Good, loving, just, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, kind, merciful, gracious to you. Ask him for help. And so that's what the people of God did. They asked God for help. And do you know what God did? He gave them instructions. He said, okay, I hear you. Do this. So look what God does. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Don't just stand there and do the same thing you've always done. Don't just stop and freeze. Go forward. And then he says to Moses directly, but you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Very specific actions. And when you have a sense in your heart, when you have a sense in your mind that God is saying something directly to you, do it. Do it right then. Don't delay. When God says, raise up your staff and the waters part, you got to go through the, the water then. You, you don't have a plan where you think about it and you, you think maybe in three weeks it'll be a better time to go through the sea. That would have been tragic and terrible. But you might say, um, as a lot of people have said to me, if God makes a way for all people, why do some experience full life and others seem punished? And I, I want you to hear this from a biblical professor that I, I think is really wise. It's Professor McCann, and he explains it like this. He says, those who acknowledge God's sovereignty experience salvation or life. Those are the same thing in the Bible, salvation and, and life. While the wicked are destroyed. That is, the happiness or prosperity of the righteous is not so much a reward as it is their experience of being connected to the true source of life, God. Now, I want to hold there for just a second. Now, God is much more personal and much more loving than electricity. But electricity is a power that doesn't have a body to it. And God is unbodily spiritual power. And think about electricity. When you flip on a light switch or you plug into a 220 for your oven or for your drying your clothes or washing your clothes, electricity doesn't care about your resume. But if you plug into it, if you connect to that power, wonderful things can happen if you follow the instructions. If you don't follow the instructions and you try to connect to it with a fork, it'll get you. So here's the thing. God is all power, more powerful than a million sons. And God says, come to me. I am kind, merciful, just, wonderful. Just connect to me. And there's not a certain prayer you have to say. It's not incantation. We're not witches and warlocks. No, we have a loving God that says, come to me. And if you'll connect to me, I will help you. Come to me through my son, Jesus Christ. Come to me through the Holy Spirit, and I will help you. Cry out to me. I am here to help you. And if you do, Help comes. Your life changes in amazing ways and wonderful ways. And if you're a person of faith and you know this, you need to share this with everybody that you can possibly share it with because it changes the world. And you say, well, but it, that doesn't happen for all people. Like, like some people, they, they don't experience this. I'm like, you're right. McCann says it like this. He says, similarly, the destruction of the wicked. And, and we know people who've had terrible lives that are far from God and really hurting but he says, similarly, the destruction of the wicked is not so much a punishment as it is the result of their own choice to cut themselves off from the source of life. 
And if you don't connect to electricity, your clothes don't get washed, your clothes don't get dried, your lights do not come on, you cannot listen to the music on the radio or, or whatever you do. Electricity is there, and if you choose not to connect to it, it is not its fault. And it's not God's fault if you cut God out of the equation. If you want to hold all the cards, you can. God allows that. But if you want to connect to him, you can. And life is so much better. So God is not a God of punishment. But if you choose to, to cut yourself off, God allows it. The compassionate God does not will to destroy the wicked. But their own autonomy leads to their ruin. This was in my study this week as I looked deeply into Psalm 145. And this has been the case for humanity in our relationship with God for a long, long time. And we all have these hazards in our relationship with God and with others. Because we have this terrible guilt, shame, isolation cycle where we do something that we know is not right. And so we isolate in our shame and we get further away from God and we get further away from people. And while we know that we can call out to a good and wonderful God, we have a really hard time asking God to help when the problem is of our own making. When we know the results that we're getting that are painful and hard and terrible are things that we did ourselves, it's really hard to say, God, help me anyway, because we know in our own self that we might not help somebody else if that was the case for them. But friends, never forget this. God is better than we are. He's better than that. God is so much better. He's faithful and just. In the book that I'm using to help me uh, work through this series uh, by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend, they say this, God does not depend on our willpower and commitment to transform a hopeless situation. Thank God. Thank God. That God does not depend on our willpower or our commitment. God does what God does because God is good. And his character is always good and just and kind and compassionate. So God will say, tell the people to move on. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And when we don't act when God speaks, trouble comes. So if you want to move with God, if you want to trust, which is both attitude and action, both. When we say we believe in God, we trust in God, then we have to be willing to move with God as God is making the way. We can't wait till it all looks perfect. We can't wait till God has worked everything out and then decide to trust him. It's both action and attitude. And so when we don't act, that, that breaks the relationship. When we don't flip the electrical switch, nothing happens. So if we want to move with the power of God, we have to move with the power of God at the same time. Here's the other thing, um, and this, this catches both religious people and non-religious people, and that is that we mistakenly think that God's power and resources are for special people or religious people. Some of my favorite people that I ever get to talk to are people that are not church people. They're just wonderful folks. And they'll say to me from time to time, I say, well, you know, we would love for you to, to worship God together with you. We'd, we'd love for you to be a part of our community. And they'll say something like, oh, no, God, you know, God doesn't have anything to do with me because, you know, I, I don't know the Bible. I don't know this or I don't know that or I, I haven't been to worship or I did this bad thing. I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. 
That's what we know about God, that he is kind and compassionate. He's not worried about your religiosity. He's not checking your resume. He's not looking at the grades you made. God loves you right where you are, and he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. I learned more about God by having children than I ever learned before having children because of my love for them just because of who they are. When my oldest son was two, this is where you go, aww. He was such a cute kid. And he was an only child for about two and a half years. And um, it was a great time. We served a little church uh, in Minko, Oklahoma. And we loved it. And, and the, I think it was the second Christmas we were there. Um, someone had uh, passed away. And they wanted to donate just a ton of Christmas lights to the parsonage. Uh, it would always been a big deal, and the family thought, wouldn't it be cool if the pastor uh, would take all these lights and put them on the parsonage? There was a really big flagpole um, that, I mean, I don't know, 20, 30 feet tall, and so I decided I would make a Christmas tree out of all these lights that had been donated to me. Uh, I was a young man at the time. I had lots of energy, and so, I, man, we lit up the whole block. I mean, we, we were just taking all of it, and uh, John Mark was two at the time, and he pressed his little nose up to the the frosty uh, shelter door, you know, the little screen door that's there. Um, and um, it, the, the, you could see the little, um, what do you call that? Like the little fog that, with his face. And I came in, I'd been working for a long time, uh, most of the day and into the night. And um, I was really pleased with myself. I was pleased that I'd done what the family of the congregants wanted done. Uh, it looked great. I loved it. It was wonderful. And then I picked him up, and I was showing him, and this is what he said. He goes, Christmas lights for me? In his mind, everything that I had done was just for him. He had never seen Christmas lights in his little life. And it was beautiful, and the joy that he had, and it's one of my favorite memories of our time together, because it was my joy to do it. And just because he was connected to me, just because we were family, just because we had a relationship, he got to experience all the joy and the wonder of the first time you ever see Christmas lights. But I just did it because I loved doing it. I just did it because I love him. There wasn't something he had to do. And you and I both know two-year-olds have no business putting up Christmas lights. It's not something he could have done for himself, but it was my joy to do it. It was my pleasure. And here's the good news. God provides what we cannot provide for ourselves. There's no way that John Mark could have done or had that experience without me. But it wasn't something that I was like, well, I better go do that for him. No, it was just who I am, who I was. I love Christmas lights. And having grown up in parsonages my whole life, we rarely got to do that. And so it was my joy. It was my thrill and my delight to see that my child, whom I love, also delighted in what I delighted in. And they had the joy to see what I had created. And I hope that's how you see the Lord, that he loves you. And he, he makes the sunrise every morning and a beautiful sunset every night. And if you'll receive it, you can receive it as if it's just for you. Just for you. Jesus says it like this, strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All of them, just 
Be connected to the power. Be connected to God. And everything else will be where it needs to be. God will make a way for you if you call on him. So call on him. Your action steps for this week is this. Reach out to God to give you all the things you cannot provide for yourself. God is so great at doing that. You don't need to worry, friends. God will provide for you. And the way God provides for you, almost always, not every time, but most of the time, is through people. So look for people God is sending you to show you the next step. If you're hurting, please reach out to me. Reach out to the church. Let us know how you're doing. Let us help. God helps us by sending us people. And as you reach out, trust God with the results. Trust God in both your action, whatever God's leading to you next, and your attitude. Because this is the truth about God. Paul writes this to the early church. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish, say this with me, abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. Well, friends, I can ask and imagine a lot. But God is so much greater than that. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. This promise isn't just for me. It isn't just for us. It's for all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people say, Amen. So, since God says that the way he helps us is most often through one another, say to God, send me to someone in need. Today, just say to God, if you want to send me to somebody, send me to somebody. Do it in a smart, you know, safe way, government approved. But friends, really, bless somebody today. Because that's how God does it. Will you pray with me? Jesus, judge of the living and the dead, knowing that a verdict on our lives is coming is so scary and overwhelming until we remember and trust that our judge is the very one who has laid down his life for us. Thank you that we can face your loving judgment without fear because you will raise us up in your love and you call us friend, approved, acquitted, free to rejoice and live in your joy forever. May the joy of that day start now. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people say, Amen.